Uh, okay, for that Ephesians, that Ephesians, that chapter one. Um, this week, on Monday, we spoke about read chapter one. Tuesday, chapter two. Third, Wednesday, chapter three. And today, we're going to unpack the second half of chapter one. It is the prayer of Paul. First, I want to give a very good picture of Ephesians. Very big picture of Ephesians in four words is the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes everything. And last week, we covered the first 14 verses. The gospel changes your identity. Who you are, how you see yourself. You are holy and blameless. You are a son and a daughter of the high king. But it doesn't just stop there. It changes how you see the world. It changes your priorities. And then it moves and it changes your relationships. It changes your marriage, your parenting, your small group, your home group. And then it changes the church. And then when a church is changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that church will change the city. And the city will look at that church and say, we have not seen anything like that. You need to explain yourself. And that's why the series is called Lives and Demand Explanation. The DNA of the gospel, it changes Everything it did for the church in Ephesus, it still does today. And what we're doing with this series, we're working out that change in every aspect of life. Relationships, identity, every aspect of life is not, is, will not be untouched. We will work it through, we will massage it through every aspect of life. Now, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the prayer of Paul. And, uh, before we do that, I just want to tell you what the main idea is, but I've filled it in a story. Uh, this is a story of a kid. Let me flash that picture. Does anyone know who this kid is? This kid, his name is Rath. Rath Evil. I'm pulling that out. What's your name? Rath. You know? Uh, his name is Rath Evil. And uh, he was born in Cambodia uh, several years ago. And he was a healthy baby boy. But for some reason, his mother didn't want him. Maybe she couldn't afford him. For some reason that was known to the mother, she gave up the baby. And the baby lived in an orphanage for a period of time in Phnom Penh. Oh, sorry. I think it was Cochin City. Now, the thing is, there was one day when this kid was in the orphanage, and there was this lady that came, and she was a white lady, she was from America, and she looked beautiful. And so there was Rath, who was sitting in his, uh, his playpen, he was playing with the other kids, and this lady came, and she started playing with all the kids. And then she made her way to Rath, and they started to play, and they started to have fun. And then, at the end of this conversation, because her baby was very good, she said, I don't want to adopt you. I would like you to be my son. And the rabbit would be kind of, you imagine, kind of smile. Of course, you have right now. And so this lady uh, took this boy home, and she went back to the States where she lived, and she took this boy home, and actually she was married, so she knows her dad. And it was a family of six, actually. One day, as you might imagine, this boy realized. Uh, right, two stories, 
kid. And this boy realizes, my dad is like the sexiest man alive. <laughs> I mean, how often do you realize that your dad is the sexiest man alive? And then he realized that when I was, when I was uh, taken from uh, Vietnam to America, the press took a picture of me, and that picture sold for $2 million in People Magazine. Now, now, here's my point, okay? Originally, uh, the name was, was Raz. Now, when, when Angelina Jolie said, Will you be my son? He said, Of course, you just got the hell of a mom. Right? I mean, one thing that Raz would say, Let me see your majesty. Are you going to give a full ride to college? No! He's just like, Yes! Right? He's so happy to be adopted. And then one day he's watching TV, and then he said, my, my parents are crazy, but he just realizes who his parents are. And then he starts to realize who he is in light of who his parents are because a picture of it is over. Two million dollars because of who his parents are. Now, that is the situation that you guys are in. How we became to the father for, I don't know, the various children of reasons. But it's like Paul said, do you understand? That your mom is world traveling. Do you understand what you have? Now I know the illustration kind of silly your own idea, but it, it, it's very accurate, actually. Do you realize what you have? Do you realize? Have, have you woken up to the reality? You are rich. You know what did you have in Christ? Do you, do you understand how famous he is and how famous you are because of your relationship? Do you understand how many resources he has? And so on the resources you have, because of your standing in Christ, you realize that you realize that you're so excited. And one day that kid, you be oh, 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 smokes. And I think that happens to a believer. At some point it's like, yeah, I said this sinner's prayer. And then one day you realize, oh man, <laughs> I am rich, you know. I have this incredible resource that I didn't even know. And now I know. Father, they gave, may give you the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation so that you may know him better. I want you to have your spirit out. Oh, spirit. Wisdom. Revelation. So why? Why? Why did you so that you may know him better? Okay? That's the first that's the first part. Okay? 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know three things. The hope to which he has more. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. So three things. Paul said, I pray the eyes of your heart may be open. So you may know three things. Number one, hope. Number two, inheritance. Number three, power. And then the rest of the, the uh, prayer passage is unpacking the third thing that he's praying power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who wills everything in every way. And all that people said, Amen. Now, I want you to know something that Paul in this prayer is going through the spiritual jugular. I mean, he could have prayed that I wish that the bad things that are happening in your congregation would stop happening. Or I pray that you get a new car. I just pray for your daily bread. He pray for any of that. He prays for something that he says, man, this is the most important thing I could ever pray for you. It's better than daily bread. It's better than bread car. This is the most important thing I can pray for you. Now, here's the thing. This is the most important thing that Paul wants to pray for this church. Could it be the most important thing for us to pray? For ourselves, for our families, for our roommates, for CCF, for your college fellowship, for your college, for your church? I think it is. I think Paul said, listen, what, I mean, why else would you be dealing with praying for them? It's like, this is the most important thing to pray. So, what I would invite you to do is to memorize Paul's prayer. I want to invite you to commit this prayer to memory, because here's the thing. If you can commit this to memory, then you can pray like on the way to the grocery store. You can pray it like at work when you take a break. You can pray it in your quiet time. It can be like the 30-second version, it can be the 30-minute version, but if you can memorize it, it just comes from your heart. So what I want to do is help you memorize it with Paul's like, hey, man, listen, this is the spiritual governor, probably the most important thing you can ever pray for for the people for yourself. So why don't you join me in praying this prayer? Now, what I'd like to do is memorize it, but I don't want to say, hey, memorize it. What I want to do is kind of help you memorize it, so I came up with a visual that I hope will help you memorize it. So if you look at your bulletin in your outline, you see a little doodle box, okay? Now, I want you to doodle with me, okay? Now, how many of you feel like you are a terrible artist and it would not be a good idea if you even try? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a lot of you. Okay. But, but here, would you, would you just try? Would you just try? Not, I'm going to use stick figures. You can do stick figures. You can do it, okay? So, so I'm going to draw here, and then right after I draw something, I want you guys to go ahead and draw on your outline. And basically, I'm trying to help you 
Now, the interesting thing is that in China, they have teachers, and they notice that visual memorization of the scripture really helped the Chinese Christian remember what was taught. And so I was talking to this missionary, and he said, Oh, I tried these, you know, these, these visual things. I'm like, So cool, I'm going to try this with this prayer. So I'm here, I'm going to try this, okay? I didn't make this up, but I think it's really good. Okay, now here we go. Paul says this I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ died. You guys can help me on that. Okay, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is a prayer for people. So the first thing I want you to draw is a person, a stick figure. Okay? Now, the only thing with the stick figure is that the arms are in like a U because this person is a worshiper. Okay? So can you guys do that? You can do that. You can draw that, right? Okay, so Paul's praying for people. A group that's represented by this person, this figure, okay? Now the first thing he prays for, I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will give you us spirit. A spirit. Okay, so what I want you to do, right about this person, is I want you to try to draw a dove. Okay? Alright?
Now listen, last week I gave you an invitation to read the book of Ephesians. Monday, chapter 1. Tuesday, chapter 2. All the way through the six chapters. On Saturday, you stop and come to the message on Sunday. And then you read the study guide for the rest of the day on Sunday. And maybe you guys are doing that. And if you're doing that, that's fantastic. But I don't want you guys to be fooled into thinking that just by reading the scripture, you're going to know God better. You need more than just reading the scripture. You need the scripture plus God's spirit breathing into that time. And so when you open the Bible, now listen, you're not even open the Bible, this place starts open the Bible. But when you open the Bible, you will pray, God, let your spirit breathe on me. Give me a deep, more spirit of wisdom and revelation. Not just the truth, but knowledge, but the service of how to apply it. Not just dead knowledge, but these living truths that I just meditate on. I need your spirit. So it's the Bible plus the spirit, or it's the Bible through the spirit. But Paul's making it very clear. Look, how do you know God better? Through his spirit. Okay, so spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can know God better. By the way, the whole purpose of this church is to help you know God better. That's why we exist. That's what we're about. Okay, let's talk about the second part of this prayer. The hope, the inheritance, and the power. The hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. Now, the hope to which he has called you, it sounds like this is the first thing that we can open our eyes to the reality of. This thing must be pretty easy. This thing must be pretty big. But here's the thing. I think a lot of Christians, I'm going to go through this quickly because Paul went through this quickly. I think a lot of Christians have a small sense of hope. And their small sense of hope is, I will die one day, and I will go to heaven. And that is their hope. You see, my voice is really distracted. How do we look at that hope? Right? And that's the gospel for them. One day I die, and I will go to heaven. No, I'm not trying to make fun of it. That is huge. Okay, I'm not making fun of it. That is huge. But, but imagine Paul, like the, 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 the first uh, head of John 1. He goes, in the fullness of time, God revealing his plans to unite all things under Christ. In other words, it's not just you dying and going to heaven. But don't you understand? It's the restoration of the entire world. It's not just me and me getting shot. No, it's the whole entire universe being fixed. Everything that's broken about this world being fixed in Christ, summed, all summed up in Christ, it's all run under the authority of Christ. Everything will go the way that Jesus Christ wants it to go. Not forced, but it's going to come from the heart. It's going to be inward change for the entire universe and the entire planet. You have a very big gospel. It's a very big gospel. Much bigger than just one individual or one church or anything else. Yes. And yes, you will be saved and you will get a little job. But it also means that we care about that kid in Africa who has worms in their stomach and being eaten alive because they have 30 years more. Yes, it's also that. It's heaven and it's reconciliation and it's social justice. It's all that. Okay, that's hope. Okay? Maybe your hope is too small. You gotta go, okay, it's just 
much bigger hole that I need to come alive. Okay, let's talk about the parents. Now, this one, okay, if the hole blew your mind, this one has to blow your mind. It has to, okay, no, 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 stay with me. Stay with me, okay, okay. Okay, Paul is praying uh, that you will know the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Okay, Paul is praying that you will know the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Now listen, the moment you hear the word inheritance, you're thinking, you know, treasures in heaven. You're thinking, I will die and I will go to eternal paradise. Sign me up, that's all good. Now, and there's a lot of scripture that talks about, you know, treasure in heaven for you, and absolutely, absolutely. But automatically, when you hear inheritance, you're thinking, yes, our inheritance. No. Read the text carefully. Whose inheritance are we talking about? Uh, let's talk about power. 
remarkable note, an incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. Now I want you to look, actually let's go back up. I want you to look at some of the words that Paul chooses to, to use. And I want you to imagine that Paul in right in the center, he's trying to choose his words carefully. What words does he choose? Incomparably great. Working of his mighty strength, exerted. I mean, he is using loaded words. I mean, that power comes from the word dynamis, which means we get our word dynamite from that power. I mean, this is heavy, explosive stuff. Now, now this is not all the gold. Okay, look, listen. Uh, you need to understand. I want you to know your eyes are open to the great power at work in those who believe. Okay, it's, it's huge that you would just say that. But Paul takes it a step further. How does he take it a step further? Look at the illustration that he gives. Let me, okay, so you tell me what that power is about. That power is like the same power that rose my son Jesus from the dead. And Paul says, that's at work inside. Okay, let me try to think of this one. Uh, Kevin, can you come up here for a second? Okay. Now, I, I, want, I want to illustrate to you how many Christians live. Okay? Now, this uh, wood, this branch is about uh, two inches thick in diameter, represents like a dead walk in your life, right? Maybe this represents sin, maybe this represents addiction, maybe this represents like an old habit. And we have all these in our lives, right? And then you read the gospel, you read Ephesians, and the main idea is the gospel changes everything, you're thinking, okay, maybe God is saying that He wants to change and break this blockage in my life. Right? And so, you're thinking, okay, God called me to break this. Now, I have Kevin up here for a reason. Kevin, do you, you look fit? Do you work out? No. Okay. <laughs> qualify nicely. Now, what I want you to do is in the count of three, can you believe in Kevin, right? If you believe in Kevin, raise your hand. Okay, not everyone believes in you, but that's okay. Alright, listen, on the count of three, I just want you to marshal all the resources in these huge biases. I just want you to snap this right in half, okay? I just want you to snap this right in half. I'm going to make a little mark just to get things going, okay? One. You guys believe in him? Two. You going to karate chop him? Okay, three, go! I was thinking that maybe the two of us could be just one. One? Is it Benny? Is it Benny? No, okay, it's not Benny. Okay, okay, okay. okay. No, I think for a lot of us, I don't know what this is for you. We just feel like this is the sin, this is the. Look, I can't change. I can't. This, this has been going on for so long, for years. It's unbreakable. All of you have something like this in your life. You feel like God wants me to change this and break this, and I can't. Break it! Okay, uh, now I want you to do something very bad. No, 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 this is, this is what happens. This is what happens. God says... Okay, now Kevin, stay very still. Okay, God says, God says, listen. I have given you 
power. Okay, really, it's probably not a good idea for me to hold this even. So why don't, why don't you hold it? It's like God saying, I have given you a chainsaw. All right, go to work. Go to work. Show us how it's done.
never change. It can. You can change. And you can have supernatural visions. It can happen. Some of you, when you think about resurrection, oh, you're automatically thinking, okay, I know this person who's sick and dying of cancer. Does that mean that resurrection power, this person, the Christian, will heal this person? Not necessarily. Resurrection power has different forms. Maybe it means that that person in the midst of a tumultuous time will have this incredible supernatural peace and people will look at that. How can you be so calm and poised in such a terrible situation? Because the gospel. Relationships that have long been broken, there's unforgiveness, and all communication patterns can break Those can change. Those of you who have been like dead in your faith for a long time and haven't felt anything, it can change. The gospel changes everything. Now, what I want to do, because I've been for a long time in this prayer, and I hope you guys remember this, I want to invite you to pray this prayer every day. It's something to remember. Imagine what our church would be like if all pray this prayer every day. I'm not saying like spend 30 minutes. Maybe some days you spend 30 minutes. Maybe some days you spend 30 seconds. Maybe some days it's your quiet time. Maybe other days it's just like on the way to the grocery store. Will you pray this prayer all the time? The most thing you can pray for this church and your family and, and the, the family of your kids is the most important thing. Imagine what our church would be like if all pray this during this series every day. I don't think our church would be the same. If you think us praying to God that He would allow our eyes to see, that He's going to be, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. No. God will respond. Let's do it together. We can pray and change will happen. The gospel will transform things. Now, let's press all the stand and let the worship to come. What is that dead block of wood in your life? There's something in your life that you have probably thought was unbreakable by your own strength. And the truth is, is that it is unbreakable by your own strength. You can't break that thing by your own strength. But God has given you the supernatural chainsaw called His Gospel. The death, the life, the resurrection of Jesus bearing fruits in your life. You have that power. What marriage it is all for you. God's I cannot forgive this person for what they did. God's power to forgive is working inside you. I, I, my relationship with this person is so broken. God has resurrection power washing through your body. You see it. You believe it. And what I want you to do is identify that dead block. And I just want you to just like stand in faith and just go, I believe the resurrection power is at work inside me to break this deadlock. And just name whatever it is. Now I'm not asking you to say, Lord, you believe. Like, you're not asking something from God necessarily. You're praying and you're realizing, you're realizing now that you have power in the gospel to break whatever that thing is. And then name that thing because that's very powerful. Maybe it's like, okay, this relationship. Maybe it's like, this addiction. Maybe it's like, you know, porn or this sexual thing. I don't know. But that God wants to change you to be a new creation. And the first thing you need to do is realize that you have that power at work. It's the power of resurrection life in your life, forcing you into your body. 
And what I want you to do right now, close your eyes, bow your head, name that thing, and you can name it silently, and then you can just pray a prayer of faith. I believe 